take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn again, if you would, uh, to that book that we were looking at last week. This is part two of a message that we've simply entitled as Christ Your Life. And we're in Philippians uh, chapter 1. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. And you may remember that we're taking a test together. We started last week. We're giving you three qualities that will be true in your life if Christ is your life. I'll give you a review in a moment, and I'll give you two new ones today. But you know, sometimes songs remind us of certain people. You might hear a song and it reminds you of someone. It might be because of something that happened, or, or maybe you shared that song together. Uh, well, there are some songs that would remind me of the Apostle Paul. And one of the songs is a song that you may not know very well. It's a song that was written by uh, Charles Meade. And it's simply a song entitled, Others, Others. And the song simply goes, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others so that I may live for Thee. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for You must be done for others. And when my work on earth has been done, and my new work in heaven's begun. May I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. Others. Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others so that I may live for thee. I think we're going to see that was true about Paul. He lived with others in mind. He cared about others. He ministered to others. He blessed others. And you're going to see today that um, it was serious. And it was real to him. Now remember, I'm giving you three qualities that will be true if Christ is your life. And the very first one I gave you last week is this. If Christ is your life, you desire to magnify him. You, you desire to exalt him, to make him known, to shine the spotlight on him. Your whole life is all about living for Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in the passage, For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And so Paul's life was all about Christ. And if you're going to truly be having Christ as your life, then you're going to desire to magnify Christ, to exalt Him, to make Him known in everything that you do. I mean, it's all about Christ. But there's a second thing that's true, and we'll begin here today, and it's this. If Christ is your life, you desire to help others to magnify Christ. It's not just enough for you to exalt Him and you to lift Him up before others. You want to see other people do that and you're willing to help them to do that. We oftentimes call that what? Discipleship. Now I want you to look in Philippians. This time we'll pick up the reading at verse 21 and read down through verse 26. Philippians 1, 21 through 26. And Paul's writing, and now I've got to remind you where he's writing from. He's not writing from his yacht. He's not writing from his beachfront condo. He's not writing from some glorious, glamorous place. He is in jail. Probably this time he's under house arrest. He's chained to a guard. Circumstances are terrible. The situation's terrible in many regards. But Paul is not worried about those things. In fact, the theme of Philippians, where he wrote to the church at Philippi, the theme of the letter, remember this is a letter that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the theme of the letter is joy. Now, what kind of letter would you write if you were in jail this morning? Would it be a letter of joy? 
You'd be saying, you know, contact my congressman, contact my representative. But we find here, Paul says, listen, Philippi, that these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel's going forward. He was all focused upon the gospel. And he says here in this particular passage, verses 21 through 26, these words, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul says, listen, I'm going to magnify Christ in my body, whether I live or whether I die. Living is Christ, dying is gain. Living is Jesus, dying is more of Jesus. It was a win-win situation. Whether he lived on or he died, but notice the first word of verse 22, it's the word but. He says, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, but. And he begins to think about his situation. He says, if I live on in the flesh, if I keep on living, if I don't get executed, if I don't uh, get put to death, if I remain in my body, I keep on living... If I don't go to heaven right now, I'm going to get more fruit for my labor. Spiritual fruit. And he says, what I should choose, I don't know. In other words, if it was up to him, he didn't know which one he would choose. To die and go to heaven or stay around and get more fruit. Now, it was ultimately up to the Lord. He's not wrestling with the Lord's will. He belongs to Christ to do whatever Christ wants him to do. But he's looking at both sides of the coin. Should I stay? Should I leave? Should I live? Should I die? And he says in verse 23, for I'm hard-pressed between the two. I'm between a rock and a hard place. My granddaddy would have said, I'm between a crust and a hard pan. And that's kind of a tough spot to find yourself in. I'm hard-pressed between two because, listen, to die is to go to heaven and be with Jesus. But if I stay, I can help you the believers, to grow in your faith in Jesus and get more fruit for my labor. So what should he do? I mean, to live, he gets more fruit. To die, he goes to be with Jesus. But Paul is thinking about others. Remember? And it's interesting, as he thinks about it, he seems to come to a conclusion. I don't know if God told him the conclusion. I don't know if God impressed it upon his heart. Now listen, listen to what he says in verses 25 and 26. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all. Why? For your progress and joy and faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul says, you know what? I'm pretty confident I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep living. I'm not going to die yet. And in not dying, I'm going to help you to grow in your faith, help you know Jesus better. See, he had his... He had their spiritual growth in mind, their joy in Jesus in mind. He thought of his brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul was an amazing man. Warren Wiersbe was right. He said, what a man Paul is. He's willing to postpone going to heaven in order to help Christians grow. Now listen. And he's willing to go to hell in order to win the loss for Christ. He said, what do you mean, preacher? Well, listen to what Paul said in the book of Romans I'll put it on the screen for you. Romans 9, 1 through 3. Now remember, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is true. He says in Romans 9, 1 through 3. Look at it with me. I tell the truth in Christ. 
I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for I could wish, watch this now, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul loved his brethren so much. He said, listen, if it were possible, I would be accursed from Christ that they might be saved. Talk about a burden for lost souls, a burden for men and women. I can tell you this, I'm not there. I'm not there. To think of going to hell, the others might go to heaven. I mean, that, that's the burden that he carried. And he says, listen, I, I'd be willing to be a curse. But it wasn't just that. He also thought about the brethren. And he's willing to say, you know what? I'll even postpone going to heaven, which is far better for me that I might help you. He wanted the Philippians to rejoice in Christ. Why? Because Christ was Paul's life. And whether he lived or died, he wanted to magnify Christ. He said it this way in Romans 14, 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Now, if you can get that truth really implanted in your heart, it'll change your life. To realize that life is all about Christ. And if we live, it's all about Christ. If we die, it's all about Christ. If we get sick, it's all about Christ. If we're well, it's all about Christ. Because Christ is our life. And when, when you look at Paul's life, you can't help but think of your own life if you're honest. And the relationships that you have in life. Now, first of all, I've got to ask you, do you have Christ in your life? You can't have Christ as your life if you don't have Christ in your life. The Bible is very plain, very clear that we've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God. And our sin separates us from a holy God. But God loves us so much. What did He do? He sent Christ to die in our place. He took our sin upon the cross. He shed His precious blood. He died. He was buried. And He rose again. And He did that because He loves you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know you can take out that world and put your name right there? For God so loved Rodney. For God so loved you. Your name fits right there. I don't think it's a stretch to say if you were the only person. It would still be true. He would have come because He loves you. And the Bible says if you will turn from your sin and place your trust, your faith totally and completely in Jesus Christ, He will forgive you your sin. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll restore that relationship with Him. You have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit will reside within you and dwell you. You'll have eternal life, forgiveness, peace, joy. Yeah, you'll still have problems. You'll still have issues. You'll still slip up and sin because we're not in heaven yet and we're not perfect here yet. But He's working on us to get us that way. But even when we sin and fail and mess up, He still loves you. And when you do that, that sin, you say, I'm never going to do that again and do it again. He still loves you. So as we confess our sins, He's faithful to just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, for Christ to be your life, you must have Christ in your life. And that begins with a relationship with Him. 
But I know I'm talking to a lot of people today who say, I already have that settled. I already know Jesus is my Savior. I know that if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. Well, let me ask you what goes in those blanks when it comes to your life. How would you honestly fill in those blanks? For me to live is what? And to die is what? Because whatever you put in the first blank affects the second blank. Some might have to say if they're honest, for me to live is my career. And to die is to be replaced by somebody else. Somebody else would say for me to live is money. And to die is to leave it all behind. I've done a lot of funerals over the years. A lot of funerals. I was telling Daniel, I wish I'd kept a list of all the funerals that I'd done, all the baptisms, but I, I didn't. It didn't matter. The Lord knows. But listen, never once has a Brinks truck pulled up and unloaded into the grave. Not once. They used to say that you never see a hearse with a U-Haul, but then I saw a picture with a hearse with a U-Haul, so that illustration's done. But you get the, the gist. Whatever you put in the first blank affects the second blank. And can I just tell you, if you put anything in the first blank besides Christ, you lose in the second blank. And that's not to say that you shouldn't have a career and you shouldn't have money and all those things. We have to have those things, but in their proper place. They're not the focus and passion and longing. It's not my life. Some would write for me to live as sports and to die is to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. Because I chose that over Christ. For me to live is whatever. And to die is anything you put in that first blank besides Christ equals a loss in the second blank. But here's what happens. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So think about your relationships. We said if you have Christ as your life, you desire to magnify Him and you desire to help others to magnify Him. So think about your spouse. In your marriage, are you helping your spouse to magnify Jesus. Think about your boyfriend or girlfriend in your relationship. Are you helping each other to magnify Jesus? As a parent, are you helping your children to magnify Jesus? Are you pointing the spot? Are you taking them to Jesus? In your friendships, is it about Jesus? Do the people you work with know that your life is all about Jesus? The problem is we sometimes want a little Jesus here and a little Jesus there. We like to sprinkle a little Jesus on things that's not the way it works. We like to sprinkle a little Jesus here, a little Jesus there, go about our own business. Paul said, Jesus is my business. He is my life. He's my all in all. Nothing else, no one else matters. Because here's what happens. When you have Christ as your life, it impacts the rest. And next thing you know, you do care about other people. You care about the lost, the hurting, the needy. You care about those you love, those you've never seen before. Your heart is broken just like Paul. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, I told you there are three. I better give you the third one. When Christ is your life, you desire to magnify Him. You desire to have others to magnify Him. Now, here's the third one from this passage. If Christ is your life, you desire to be with Him in heaven. Look at verse 23. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That word departs very interesting. Now, I don't know if you know or not, but you know the Bible was not written originally in English. The Old Testament is primarily Hebrew and a little portion of Aramaic. And the New Testament is Greek. And I'll be honest with you, I think I had four semesters of Greek. I tried to beg out of the last two, but they wouldn't let me. 
And I'm not a Greek scholar and I barely survived, but this word in Greek is pretty interesting. The word depart. They tell me it's the picture. It means like a soldier who takes his tent down and moves on to some other place to depart. For the believer, that's what death is like. We're changing locations. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, to depart. They tell me it means it's kind of like a farmer who takes the yoke off of the oxen. He takes the yoke off the oxen because the day's work is done and it's time to rest, to depart. They tell me it pictures a politician who sets a prisoner free who was once in bondage, but is now free. They tell me it pictures a sailor who lifts the anchor or or, or loosens the moorings and sets sail. And those standing there watch, they watch as that sailboat, it disappears over the horizon to depart. A very descriptive word. It's what happens when a child of God dies. See, Paul didn't fear death because death for Paul was Jesus. I gave you these references. I'll give them to you again. I gave this to you last week. Romans 14, 8. We've already talked about it. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, that we live or die, we are the Lord's. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. God says, when my, saint, when my child dies, that's precious in my sight. I'm receiving him to myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Death to Paul was gain. He had a desire to be with Jesus. He had a desire to be home. Do you have that desire, friend? Do you ever have a longing for heaven? Now, I understand. I understand. I'm with you. All of us were ready to go to heaven, but not yet. Well, we understand. I'm, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Because why? We said, I'm ready to go to heaven, but not yet. Why? Because there's things we're looking forward to. I want to see this. I want to experience that. I, I want to go there. Whatever. I understand. But is there ever a longing in your heart just to be in heaven? You know, the longer I live, the more I understand what Paul is saying here and the longing that he had. Because this world is not right. It's not right. Evil's everywhere. Perverseness is everywhere. Wrong, injustice, everywhere. Wickedness and vileness. We live in a world people harm little children. Rip babies apart in mother's wombs. Kill people. Murder, rape. Just on and on and on. And our hearts are grieved. And we're reminded that we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. Things are done against us. We mess up. We fail. We sin. We grow discouraged and weary. And sometimes just in our, our hearts, there's that longing, I'm ready just to be with Jesus. Why? Because one day everything's going to be set right. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more crying. None of that. You ever have that longing in your heart to be with Jesus? 
Listen, Christian, unless they go by rapture first, and I'm ready for the rapture, it'd be great. The rapture, you know, when the Lord comes back and the trump sounds and we, we go up to be with the Lord in the air and we go to be with Him. But unless that happens first, even so come, Lord Jesus, unless that happens first, we're all going to die. But that's not the end. To be absent the body, to be present with the Lord. Maybe you heard about the headstone, the tombstone in a country churchyard in Montgomery, Alabama. Some people, their hobbies to go read tombstones. Did y'all know that? That's what I understand. They like to visit cemeteries. But they tell me there's a headstone in a church, a church cemetery in Montgomery, Alabama. And here's what it says on that tombstone. Under the clover and under the trees, here lies the body of Jonathan Pease. Pease ain't here, only the pod. Pease shelled out and went home to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. One day we're going to shell out. Just leave the pod behind. See, this life, beloved, is so short. Eternity is long, forever. Um, This is dress rehearsal for eternity. And death is not something we have to fear. Because for a Christian to be absent the body is to be present with the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, you ought to fear. I was thinking about, and I'll close with this. Years ago, we were living in Knoxville. You know, I, we went off, to, I went off to Bible college and Daniel and I got married and we came back and I pastored the church I grew up in. And then we moved to Knoxville, Tennessee and worked with Bible Broadcasting and then moved back to Indian Trail to work with them here and then, of course, moved, up, uh, moved here. We were living in Knoxville at the time, and, and Danielle and Gideon were going to fly up to Pennsylvania to see her family. Gideon would have been a baby at this time. I took them to the Knoxville airport. I don't know if you've ever gone to the Knoxville airport. It's a nice airport. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's just right, you know, and it's easy to navigate. And I took them there, and I was going to see them get checked in and, and go off. And I was standing there that day, and I stood there waving goodbye as they were going off going to travel up to Pennsylvania, my wife and my child. And I noticed as I was watching mine walk away, I noticed other people were coming towards us. And their family were there, and they weren't waving goodbye. They were saying, welcome home. And I couldn't help but think, beloved, that's what the death of a loved one who knows Jesus is like. We stand here saying goodbye for now. We love you. Going to miss you. But on the other side, in glory, their family, their friends, the church people they went to church with, they're in heaven. And they look up. And they say, welcome home. Welcome home. See, that's why Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ because He's alive and He's living forever. And He's waiting on us. And He's coming back for us. And He's going to receive us. But we're not there yet. 
So Paul finishes that by saying this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's one of the great battles we have here. And sometimes in the Christian life, we feel like we're laboring in vain. You try to live right. You try to do right. You try to serve Jesus. And it seems like you're always losing and you're always coming up empty. And, and other people who live wicked, vile lives, but they, they do better. And you just struggle along saying, is it worth it? It's worth it! Because one day, we're going to stand... Well, I should say we're going to fall. And see Jesus face to face. We sang it in the first service. Face to face. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, oh, what will it be? When with rapture I behold Him. Jesus. For to me to live Are you ready for that day? Should it come today? And if it doesn't come today, are you going to keep on with God's help, keeping on, being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank You that we don't labor in vain. Thank you that we have a sure hope today to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We long for that day, Father, when we can be with you forever, to see Jesus face to face, to be reunited with our loved ones and our church family that have gone on. To hear, welcome home. But for now, here we are. Lord, we find ourselves at times struggling on. But we labor not in vain. And we don't labor alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the promise that you'll always be with us. Even to the end of the age. Now, before I close this prayer, while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know for certain if you were to die this very moment, you'd open your eyes in heaven? If you don't, friend, can I just beg you, settle that now. You say, well, preacher, what do I do? Just call out to Him. You know you've sinned. You know you've messed up. Just tell him, Lord, I've messed up. I've sinned. But I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe He shed His blood for me. I believe He rose again. And Lord, the best way I know how, I call out to You. Please forgive me. Please save me. I want to give my life to You. Friend, if you'll do that, He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. 
He will save you. And then if you already know him, how would you honestly answer that question today? For to me to live is, what would you put in that blank? Do some things need to change in your life? Well, your priorities just all messed up. We don't mean to do it often. It's not always bad things that get in that blank. But we just put other things in the place of Jesus. Why don't you take a moment and talk to him about that? The worship team's going to come and we're going to sing in just a moment. But while they're doing that, why don't you take a moment and talk to the Lord about those things. Then I'll pray, we'll sing, and we'll go. Just take a moment right where you are and ask God to speak to your heart. And whatever He tells you, whatever He leads you in, you be obedient and do what He tells you to do. Now, Father, thank you for working in our hearts. Please continue to do so. We need you like we've never needed you before. Thank you for being sovereign over us. Thank you that you work all things together for good. Even when we don't understand it, can't figure it out, you work it out for our good and your glory. We give you praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing that song together.